Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's happening? It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. Carl Dukes, put him up, my man, Jason Lacanfora. You read him in the Washington Post, of course. He has covered the NFL for a very long time, and Brian Baldinger, also a part of this podcast. Baldy's taking a little R and R after a long regular season, so he'll be back. Uh, next week with us but we got a lot to get to and Jason this week it's the combine right this is the the big whoop-de-doo everybody's there all the scouts the coaches the GMs now not everybody's talking this year which is a little surprising not all these coaches are talking but I think these front offices are trying to take the lead because they're going to be the ones team building and making these decisions I'm just curious what what do you make of the combine this thing's grown into a monster event over the years hasn't it Oh, absolutely. Um, like everything else seemingly related to the NFL, it, it has exploded in size, uh, in perceived import. Um, and it's become sort of a week that is kind of circled on the American sporting calendar now, which is, you know, just wasn't the case uh, 10, 15 years ago. I also think, though, it, it it's gotten a little like a lot of things NFL related. It's gotten a little bloated. It's gotten a little full of itself. Yeah. And it's gotten a little blown out of proportion. And we're now seeing more teams where the coaches say, you know what? Like, yeah, we could talk to these kids at night, do our 15 minute interviews with them. And, you know, I guess there's something to be said for getting our own eyes on them, but there's other ways we could spend our time at the team facility, continuing to prepare for free agency continuing to put our off-season plans into place, continuing to tweak our systems and tweak our programs and how we're going to approach OTAs and mini camps and training camp. And that's better use of our time than spending all this time in Indianapolis. Yeah. I think you're going to see that trend continue more and more. Uh, and, and we have all this technology. And we learned some lessons uh, unfortunately, we were forced to learn some lessons from the pandemic. And I think a lot of that still applies. And there's so much information available. There's so much technology available. There's so many different ways we can connect with people and maximize our time and sort of work from home. That for some of these coaches and their staffs, the combine is becoming a work from home event rather than going to Indianapolis. And I think when you look at the time, you know, cost, uh, Money spent, dollars spent, travel time spent, time in limbo spent, time just sitting in a hotel room spent. When you look at all that, 
there probably is. I think the, some of the more progressive coaches are probably ahead of the curve and say, I don't, I don't need to be there for five or six days. It doesn't, we've got enough people from our organization there. I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Um, far too much is made of, of the individual performances. Uh, it serves a purpose. And that purpose is to facilitate trades, transactions, the intermingling of all these front offices. It is football's version of baseball winter meetings. That obviously serves a purpose. Getting medicals on these kids, getting, you know, universal heights, weights, those metrics, absolutely. Getting to talk to these kids somewhat, sure. Individual acts of athleticism themselves, I don't know, man. You know, I, I, will some individual players rise or fall a little bit based on it? Sure, in some extreme cases, but by and large, um, if that's happening, to a great degree, you probably haven't done your underlying work the way you should have. Yeah, I, I look at this, and you're absolutely right about the winter meetings. That's a great comparison for football heads who just kind of go, oh, the combine. There's more going on behind the scenes and lunches and dinners and yes. handshaking about potential things that are going to happen yes. than there are focused on the field. And, you know, Jason, I know you've been, I've been, and, and as I agree with you. It's gotten blown out of proportion a little bit. This was really back in the day, guys. This is a pretty intimate event. I mean, you if you went and you were a certain member media, you could you could kind of facilitate with coaches and GMs and meet guys and, and yes. get some behind the scenes stuff. A lot of that now, to your point, because of the way this is organized and working, you're not getting as much of that for guys like Jason and I. That you know, you, you can be smoking cigars at night with with a bunch of coaches and yeah. chopping it up. So. Here's the thing for me about the combine, and this is just from a player evaluation standpoint, and we are not scouts. Certainly, we talk to enough guys in the league who do all that kind of stuff. But this is really, for me, like college recruiting. You recruit a class. Three years later, you might know if that class has panned out. Some of those guys are going to transfer. Some of those guys are going to rise sure. and be stars. But with the combine, with all the information you get, we we just don't know. And with college recruiting, you just don't know. You bring in all these guys, you go, wow, look at this class. You just don't know. And that's the underlying thing for me about the combine. We can look at all the metrics. We can look at arm strength, you know, how many times a guy puts up 225. But for me, big picture, it doesn't mean a damn thing about how good he's going to be in the NFL. And we've seen that, Jason, time and time again, where a guy is a combine darling, and then he gets to the league and he's a, he's a buster. So the combine in its, in its makeup is really about, to Jason's point, let's meet, let's talk, let's talk about all the things that are going on, let's share stories, let's talk about potential trades. Uh, but, but the guys on the field, listen, if you don't know Bryce Young can play right now, then you have been watching, right? If you don't yeah. know C.J. Stroud's a, a top guy in this, in this uh, draft, you, just, you didn't pay attention to, to the Ohio State Buckeyes and the season they had. I don't need all of that for these guys to impress me. But I will say there have been guys over the years. Josh Allen was one of them. Sure. I, didn't know, I didn't know a damn thing about Josh Allen at Wyoming. He comes in, crushes it. He's a great quarterback in the NFL. I, those are the guys I want to see, Jason. Yeah. I mean, there will be – there are always – like these, these kids, so many of them overcome so much to get here. There are a number of great stories um, – 
will also be a number of great football players in the NFL who weren't even invited to the combine. For it's it's an inexact science. Uh, that you know, there will be kids who do things that grab people's attentions for obvious reasons. But you're right; it doesn't um, correlate to success playing a team sport at a higher level than they ever have before. You know, you're trying to grab different data points and different kernels and put together your panorama of what your internal projections as an organization tell you this kid's going to be, that kid's going to be. It'll help you determine certain comps, right? When you look at through the history of the league, what players who had this wingspan, who ran this fast, who were this agile, who did this in the three cone, right? Will they be running all those numbers? Will they be churning all that data? Absolutely. Um, But it's not – you can't simulate the game itself. And the film, you know, is really what you have to – go back and rely on um and, and the other big component jason is the health right these guys getting exams yeah, it's the universe it's yes it's having those those medicals across the board yeah yeah i mean you got to find out if a guy's healthy this is the time to do it team's concerns get wiped away once they get a chance to figure out what this kid's you know d- d- any of them what their situation is physically guys it's in the huddle jason lock on four carl dukes we're talking all things nfl we do it all off season we'll have all the stories and talk about What's going to be happening leading up to the draft? Obviously, free agency before the draft. I just want to dive into this real quick about the Bears. Yeah. So they have the first overall pick. Um, Report came out this week. They're more likely to probably trade that, which I think is smart. Instead of maybe trading Justin Fields. Now, I I think it's a little convoluted because if if a team comes in with a package, and they say the Bears say, hey, we're getting what we want. And that does include potentially trading Justin Fields, which I don't think is smart. But then they get back in the quarterback market. Where are you at with the Bears? What the hell do you think is going to happen? With I, I would just say the Chicago Bears are talking to a lot of teams. They've made it very clear they're open for business. They're not locked into any um, not, not locked into any particular avenue as to how they have to approach this. Um there were numerous personnel people I spoke to coming off of the senior ball who were pretty convinced that the Bears were absolutely positively willing to engage in conversations, um, trade talks that would involve Justin Fields going the other way if they still felt like they could accomplish a number of organizational goals, including have a path to a quarterback. Well, some would say, well, then why would you move off of one? Well, because beauty's in the eye of the beholder. There is not an Andrew Luck in this draft, right. there's not a Trevor Lawrence in this draft who is consensus one, one for all 32 teams. Um, that just doesn't exist. There are, are differences of opinion. There are varying levels of concern about body type, about projectability, about durability. So could the bears trade off of one drop down a spot or two, the team that moves up to one, let's just say it's the Texans, and, and everybody's pretty convinced they're taking Bryce Young. If the Bears are not convinced that Bryce Young is their guy, if it's Levis, if it's Richardson, if it's Stroud, you could move down. They're, the Bears are not a player away. Anyway, the Bears roster is dog crap. I mean, the Bears need everything. <laughs> they do. They need everything. Might need a new coach and GM, too. We'll see how they do with this. They need everything. You don't believe Why the Eber Chicago Fields? Bears weren't chasing Sean Payton blows my mind, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, 
if you want to start the clock on a new quarterback and you feel like Fields is from the old regime and, and you've been around Fields and you don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Fields, you could trade off of one, let somebody else take a quarterback who you who isn't your number one. Also trade Fields, continue to get draft capital this year and next year, plus the draft capital you're going to get this year and next year for trading down and still get your guy, you know, wherever, somewhere between two and seven, eight, what have you. I don't think they'd go back very far, but like the Texans, that's not a big drop. And and now you're you're giving yourself way more arrows to throw the next couple of years at the best prospects in football. So do I think they'll be able to execute all that? I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but I would just say that they're keeping a very open ear and they're willing to discuss a lot of different um, potential ways to, to add assets to their football club. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to achieve all of that. I mean, one offseason is just not enough, right? I mean, even if you got three firsts and a couple of twos, those are going to be future firsts. You're not yeah. getting all of that this year. So I'm with you. Um, as we talk about the, the draft, you think quarterback, edge, corner, position-wise, what is going to be the most sought after? I've been saying, Jason, I think we're going to see four quarterbacks taken in the first 20 picks. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be – that's what I would have said a three, two, three weeks ago. I think now – You think it's five? Four in the first ten. Okay. Like, I, I think it – yeah. Depending on what happens with trades and free agency, yeah, I mean, it could be four in the first nine. Because I think you're also going to see some teams willing to move up and fill out, you know, a team in the top ten that doesn't necessarily – want to take one of these quarterbacks or that addresses it differently, you know, they'll be willing to drop back and you'll have teams that still want to move up. So yeah, I think quarterbacks will be the story of the first 90 minutes of the first night of the draft. Um, yeah. There's going to be uh, um, as always a bunch of edge that go. And I think this is a, a different tight end draft than we normally see. You know, that there, this is a, this, this draft is not as deep at wide receiver from what people tell me yep. as we've become accustomed to seeing, but much deeper at tight end. And the question a lot of years is, will it be one, maybe two tight ends in the first round? You know, this could be upwards of five in the first round. I mean, I think it's four for sure. Um, and then anytime something like that starts happening, there's some teams who just say, I don't want to wait for day two. If I still see a guy who's there, you know, let me get the 31, let me get the 32, let me get the fifth year option and let me go get my guy. Um, so I think it'll be, it'll be an exciting, uh, and, and, and the run on tight ends won't just, I'm, I'm not, I mean, it's, it's deep throughout, but I, I think, yeah, you're going to see at least four um, go in the first, I almost said 32 picks, right. But it's 31 because the dolphins don't have theirs. Yeah. The dolphins don't, they, they gave theirs away. Teams that need quarterbacks, guys, as we think about this right now, to, to Jason's point, free agency could change all of this, but obviously Texans, uh, Colts need to, to pick one off the tree, right? Seahawks said yesterday they will do their due diligence sure. on all these quarterbacks. Uh, they are picking currently at five. Lions have Jared Goff. He's good. But do they have the quarterback of the future? And that is – the thing, you know, as you're building this Lions team and you're saying, okay, we like Jared Goff, but what if they got back in the quarterback business? I don't know if the Falcons completely wholeheartedly trust Desmond Ritter. Yeah. So they're in the mix. The Panthers need to go yep. get a quarterback. So that is, you know, that's what within the top 10 
that you're talking about to Jason's point. And then, by the way, the Texans picked 12th again. So they have 2-12 and 12 right now. Or do they negotiate that? And you said it. Go get that number one pick and maybe, you know, get a later pick in the first round. Either way, I'm with you. This is going to be – that's why and, – and if you start to reach some of these teams, you know, you're going to see guys like potentially Jalen Carter, who's a monster. I think he's the best player in this draft yeah. simply based on impact. Every down player can play the run, get push up the middle. you got to account for him. And if he falls to, let's just say, seven or seven or eight, Ooh. that's a – you're getting a hell of a player – at value, and you didn't have to go, oh. you know, take him at one. So 